Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rody Fisher. Pastor Peter Kim, please introduce yourself and share your testimony with us. Okay. Well, thank you for inviting me, and I'm so glad and blessed to be here with you. Thank you. And uh, if I just give a brief uh, testimony. Uh, yes. I was born and raised in Korea, and uh, uh, I was from the time I was born, I was going to church. I was a baptized infant, infant baptism. But until uh, I was a teenager, actually, I was what you call nominal Christians, just going to church and uh, just going to service on Sundays, and basically the personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ was not there. Um, growing up in Korea, as you probably know, having a typical uh, Korean father, and me being a firstborn, the first son of three, he had a lot of expectation for me yes. to, to fulfill, so to speak, his dream through my life. God bless him. Uh, uh, so, you know, he was pushing me academically in every way. So, and I was well-behaved uh, son. So I, I would listen to him. I would obey whatever my father wants me to do. So we had no trouble um, just going to school, doing well in school. But as far as uh, my spiritual life goes, it was just... Uh, uh, empty, empty share. There was nothing. There was no life. Uh, uh, until, uh, in my, um, when I was 16, our whole family came from Korea to the States. We immigrated to the States for better life, for to what we call the pursuit of the American dream. Yes. My father wanted for his loving three sons, so we came. And that's when I really uh, struggled due to cultural difference, culture shock, language barriers, and so many, you know, not having friends. And losing my friends in Korea all of a sudden, you know, and being a teenager, you know, it's very hard. So to make a long story short, God uh, worked all that thing, the changes in my life, all the shaking, so that I can finally open up my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the verse you shared uh, in, in John chapter 3, unless you're born again, you cannot not only enter the kingdom of God, but you cannot even see the kingdom of God. So mm-hmm. it was my senior year in high school when this missionary came to our church and had a revival service, that's when that the full message of gospel, that Jesus came for me, 
and die for me. Until then, it was just basically, oh, yeah, we know Jesus. He died for us. He loves us. It's all uh, objectively. It wasn't personal. But through that revival meeting, that God spoke to me, saying that I sent my son, Jesus Christ, for you. And he died for you. He rose again for you. And he has life eternal in heaven for you. And if you receive him, then you can have all this. So it was actually, it was a four-day retreat, uh, the, the revival service, but last uh, day, which is Sunday evening service, and usually the last meeting, the, the speaker will give, a, give us the altar call. And, and the message was so powerful and it was speaking to me. I had to walk down and, and kneel down. I cried. I wept. There were so many tears and, and, and I received him personally as my savior, as my Lord. And I was born again. The funny thing is, I think it wasn't a big, big church. So, you know, there wasn't not about a hundred people together. So I, but I figured at least, at least 10 or 20 people will come forward to receive Jesus Christ. Wow. But when I gather myself and after, you know, getting prayed and sinners prayers and getting prayed by the speaker, when I stood up and I was looked, looked around, I was the one, I was the only one that walked down this aisle to receive wow. Jesus. Wow. So it was a special revival meeting for me personally. Isn't that great of God to do that? It was for you? amazing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So you were sixteen, you said at the time. I was. I was actually no sixteen. I came to the states. Okay. So it was my senior year in high school. So 18? I was turning eighteen. Yes. Okay. So, um, so here you are um, on this trage- trajectory to become a doctor. You said your father wanted my father you to become wanted a doctor. My father me to become a medical doctor. Yes. So you're now in um, college. Yes. And you're studying at, did you say UCLA or SC? USC. I okay. went to USC as a pre-med major, uh, majoring in chemistry. Yes. Uh, eventually to go into medical school. So I was doing very well. And uh, But uh, as I told you earlier, because we, we know each other for long, I had calling from God the moment that I was. That's going to make noise there. Uh, the moment I was born again, wow. I knew that God it was calling me to full-time ministry. But I have been always putting that aside, not rejecting, but it was such a heavy spiritual uh, burden for me that. Uh, I, I, every time that God remind me of that calling, I would put it aside. But this, uh, when I was again high, uh, the senior in the college in USC, we have a retreat every summer. And, uh, uh, again, another missionary came to our retreat as a speaker. And again, at the very last meeting, he gave us not altar call, but call for the the you know young people to serve God full time, whether as a pastor or missionary, some some full time ministry, and again I could not resist that calling anymore. 
So when you accepted the Lord at 18 or almost 18, you already knew God was calling you into ministry. I had a feeling, but yes. But you were squelching that. And yes. because of the higher calling you thought <laughs> from your father who wanted you be, to be a doctor. Not higher, so. but my more, uh, more, let's say, physical, yeah, yeah. Right. The, yeah, so I valued it as well. But at the same time, the the, the calling that God is uh, giving me was, you know, it was in a way, uh, you know, it was too much for me that I was not, you know, am I, I cannot handle, you know, being a pastor or missionary. It seemed know? like a so, really big burden, you know, right? Exactly. It was like too big for me as, as a, as a, you know, high school in, you know, it's a high school and then also in college. Yeah, yeah, I could see where that would happen. So you put that off until your senior year in college. college yes. And God brings this um, revival pastor to stir the hearts of those that wanted or felt called to get into ministry, and you answered the call. Yes, I did. So basically, I answered the call that, uh, you know, I will not no longer focus on my current, uh, my mm, current major as a Going, becoming medical doctors, I will just open my life and just follow you wherever you lead. So after that, I actually transferred the school from USC to Biola. It's a Bible college. And I thought if I want to become a full-time, you know, worker for God's kingdom, whether as a pastor or missionary, you know, I'm going to go all in. So I changed my major to Bible, biblical studies. So I had to uh, stay in college for another three years to uh, to graduate as a, a Bible major. Mm-hmm. And after graduating from Biola, I went to Talbot School of Theology, Theological wow. Seminary. I, I just want to back you up just a little bit, and I can't resist the question because, you know, my mother's half Chi- was half Chinese, and we kind of grew up with that mentality of Asian upbringing. My my oldest brother is an attorney, and I'm sure that was a lot of pressure for him, from my mom. But the pressure that you had from your dad to become a doctor, how did that go down when you said to him, "Dad, look, I you know here's SC, but I'm going to go to this this now, and I'm going to put the doctor." thing behind me and God is calling me to the ministry. I, I mean, as as a Christian, he, you would think he might understand that, but then that Asian upbringing, I mean, it, it's yes. pressure. Yes, yeah, exactly. So my dad being a deacon in a church, and he was a faithful deacon in a church, but even, even you know, to him, uh, me changing my major to Bible and going to full-time ministry, was a, was a shock for him. So after I came from that retreat in my senior year in college and came and I prayed, I prayed, and how can I tell this to my parents, especially to my dad, not breaking his heart. Yes. But finally I had to because it was, the summer was almost gone and it was time for me to actually, you know, I actually applied to Biola and I accepted and so I had to tell him that I'm going to different school coming forward. So I told him finally, and uh, at the be- in the beginning, he was quite upset actually. So I'll say at least for 
first couple of years, he was upset. You know, he says, why you? There are so many other people can do, you know, as a pastor or missionary. Why, why you? Right. And I had to recite whatever God laid in my heart. You know, I, you know, I have to, you know, share the gospel. I'm, I'm in debt of gospel, you know, unless I preach the gospel, you know, um, my life is, has no meaning, so to speak. Exactly. And, and he understands it, uh, mentally, because he's a Christian, but that. Huge disappointment, to, right? To have his son become, going to that, that direction, you know, that, uh, course. Yeah, he, he is very disappointed. But uh, thankfully, uh, after much prayers and, uh, as I graduated from Biola and went to Talbot and I became a, a youth pastor at this church, he finally came around and he blessed me uh, from oh, that good. point on. Yeah. yeah. Now he's with the Lord. Okay. He just passed away last uh, March, actually. Aww. Yeah. Aww. God bless him. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, Pastor, you um, became a pastor. Mm-hmm. And you were a youth pastor for a church, and were you married at the time, or not married? Or I was single. Okay. Yeah, and uh, it was actually the first church I went to as a youth pastor. I met my future wife, oh, Mindy. Okay. Yeah, she was working as a Sunday school teacher, and I went there as a youth pastor. I would uh, I would train the teachers and. So we got close and, uh, you know, um, she was very nice, uh, spiritually mature. So the Lord, so, so the Lord gave you to her. To make a long story short, yeah, after like two years of ministry, <laughs> I proposed to her. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we, we got engaged and married. So then did you become a senior pastor somewhere and? Yeah, after much later. So uh-huh. I was, uh, working as a youth pastor. Uh, elementary pastor, every pastor in uh, church position in Korean, church, Korean American churches. Okay. So I was youth pastor, elementary pastor, college pastor, and then after I was ordained, I was uh, um, what you call the assistant pastor for mm-hmm. a couple of years. Then it was when I went to this church in Kansas uh, as a pastor. For English ministry in a Korean American church, church. Mm-hmm. Uh, after our senior pastor has moved on to another church, the church called me as a senior pastor. So okay. I pastored, I pastored there for about five years as a senior pastor and also as a pastor for the English ministry as well. Okay, so um, I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking, um, the Lord now calls you to be a missionary. And, um, your, your wife got ill. And so it wasn't conducive for you to be a senior pastor. But then you have this call to become a missionary. And that's what you're doing to this day. Is that right? Yes. It was actually end of fourth year as a senior pastor at this church, this Korean American church in Kansas that my wife came down with. Lupus, uh-huh. you know what it is. Yes, because I have that yeah, too. So, uh, so she was very sick. Uh, so I had to uh, resign the church uh, as a senior pastor. Uh, we had to move back to California, where her family are living. 
so that you know we can help each other. And for about six years, from 2000, end of 2000 to end of 2006, so that's almost six years that we went through, in a way, uh, uh, you know, the value of shed of death, actually, for wow. me and my wife. She almost died a couple of times, and uh, I had to work, uh, you know, just anything that I can, you know, uh, get a Job, like, so now you had a secular job to I keep was, the family yeah, going. Exactly. Okay, so uh, um, I was working as insurance. Insurance. Um, um, I was selling insurance, and I was doing uh, the, uh, the night job cleaning uh, mm-hmm. job at nights. And I was working. I was selling computers and repairing computers and all kinds of job. All kinds of job for six, six years. But then my friend, who was missionary at this, this land, this country. He's been calling me so many times when I was even as a senior pastor in a church. And then even as a senior pastor, uh, I didn't understand fully the missions of God. Mm-hmm. So just because you're a senior pastor doesn't mean that you understand missions. Right. Yeah. I mean, I send, you know, their support monthly to different, right. we served actually about six missionaries in different regions. So, and then we get their prayer report and we pray over that. Basically, that's what I thought was missions are. So, you know, I was thinking I was, you know, doing a decent job supporting missionaries. But then it was when he called me to come to this, this, this country in 2000, End of 2006, but I, I went January 2007. It was when I went to that country and, and saw what God is doing and how spiritually barren that land mm-hmm. was. That again, God spoke to me personally, wow. saying, this is the place for you. This is where my heart is breaking. This is where my uh, tear is flowing. And this is the place that I want you to minister for until, I don't know. <laughs> well, until God calls you home, Yes, right? yes. You know, um, I want to thank you so much for making our trip so memorable. Um, you know, on that trip, we had gone to four different countries, and um, we were talking about four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And at the time, refugees from all over the Middle East were jumping in boats. They were jump, they were trying to swim. They were going everywhere they could and places like Greece and Turkey and all these other countries were, had no other choice but to bring these people in. Mm-hmm. And thus we meet you and yes. um, you're in the complete throes of ministry to the Muslim community or the Kurdish or whatever. But what an awesome big opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd been doing this for years, by the way. We just came into your life about three, five or four or five years ago. Um, that you had to show us and for us to get involved in, um, this awesome huge ministry. One of the first things I, I was struck by is, um, how, you said to us, we're going to pray over the city. Mm-hmm. And you took us to the highest hill in every single city we went to. Yes, we did. And before we did anything else, we covered the city in prayer. Mm-hmm. 
And I was just saying this morning, because my friend and I were talking about how in Acts, they prayed, those disciples prayed for 10 days. And then they preached for about 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. and 3,000 people got saved. Yes. And how backwards I have it when, you know, I want to pray for 10 minutes and have, you know, somebody get some, see some results, right? But the power of prayer is something you don't take lightly. Um, I remember thinking, why do we have to go up to the top of this mountain? Like every place we went to, climbing up the hills. Well, once I got up there to see the gravity of the whole city in Mm -hmm. one breath was spectacular. But to join hands with other Christian people and pray over the city Mm -hmm. is something that you do all the time. Yes. Tell me about that. Yeah, especially whenever I'm hosting a team from either Korea or from the States, I do that because, number one, when you go into this high place, you can see entire city. Uh-huh. So whenever you do that, God, every time, gives his heart over the city. Yes, it was and, so spectacular. And, and and you can pray on site with godly insight. Whatever uh-huh. God is feeling, he's breaking heart over the city. Right. And secondly, it has a symbolic meaning that as you are in this high place, you're proclaiming the the lordship of Jesus Christ over the city. Right. You're inviting Jesus to come and have your throne here and have your your way on this in, in this city on right. this people. So it has a symbolic meaning. And thirdly, you are the Bible says unless you go into the strong man's house and bind him first, and then if you once he's bind, you can carry out his his belongings which he stole from God. Wow. So you go into this high place and bind all the authorities and powers and the, the dark, darkness and the evil spirits over the city. Right. So here's a very practical and spiritual power whenever yes. you pray over the city in high place. So that's why I do that every time. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And you know, the other thing that I remember about, um, our trip was going to visit um, each and every missionary. I mean, not missionary, but um, each and every refugee Refugees. that has now found a home. Mm-hmm. So um, the the missionaries would take these people with absolutely nothing, not require anything of them, and take them out of you know, fields and fields and fields of people everywhere and just one at a time, take one family at a time, find them a job and find them a home. And mm-hmm. when I say home, I'm talking about home in a very um elementary way. Yes. Um, you know, the floors are dirt and um I don't know if um uh there is some running water, but you know the the situation is bleak. Yes. Um, but when we would go into the homes and offer them what little we had, um, they would offer us a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And I, I kept thinking, why are you giving us tea? You can hardly afford anything. Please don't, you know. 
but you said to us, no, 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 you have to drink. It's, it's the custom you have to. Um, and that was so beautiful. Um, the, the other thing I remember is at one point we got to sleep in an underground church. Yes. And, um, and in order for it to be kept an underground church, I remember you said to us, the people are going to come in all hours of the day until we have enough people because they, they, they don't stream in all at once. They come in quietly one at a time. Yes. And they came very early in the morning. We were still sleeping and, um, till the church was full. And you said to us, um, this was a mega church for this country. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we're talking about maybe, I don't know, 10 or 15 families. Yeah, and altogether, I, I think on that particular Sunday, we had, as far as number of people with us being there, maybe about 50. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com, spelled R-A-H, Fisher, at ontheroadwithjesus.com. with Jesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher.